creative banter. Hey guys. Woo. This is Madeline. And Harley. And Heather. And we are three photographers hosting Creative Banter. We want to bring a voice to the obstacles and topics that small and creative business owners have while working towards success. You can find Creative Banter on Facebook and Instagram at Creative Banter Podcast. Email us at creativebanterpodcast at gmail.com or find our website at creativebanter.wix.com slash podcast. Please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It helps new people find our podcast and we'll each do a happy dance every time we get a new review. Thank you so much and we hope you enjoy this episode. It started with imagery, visuals that popped into my mind and piqued my curiosity. Stars drawn around scars, a cardigan that still bears the scent of loss 20 years later. Battleships sneaking into the ocean, down, down, down. A tree swing in the woods of my childhood. Hushed tones of lust run away and never doing it. The sun-drenched month of August sipped away like a bottle of wine. A mere disco ball hovering above a dance floor. A whiskey bottle beckoning, hands held through plastic. A single thread that, for better or worse, ties you to your fate. Pretty soon, these images in my head grew faces or names and became characters. I found myself not only writing my own stories, but also writing about or from the perspective of people I've never met, people I've known, or those I wish I hadn't. An exiled man walking the bluffs of a land that isn't his own, wondering how it all went so terribly, terribly wrong. An embittered tormentor showing up at the funeral of his fallen object of obsession. A 17-year-old standing on the porch learning to apologize. Love-struck kids wandering up and down the evergreen highline. My grandfather, Dean, landing at Guadalcanal in 1942. A misfit widow getting gleeful revenge on the town that cast her out. A tale that becomes folklore is one that's passed down and whispered around, sometimes even sung about. The lines between fantasy and reality blur, and the boundaries between truth and fiction become almost indiscernible. Speculation over time becomes fact. Myths, ghost stories, and fables, fairy tales and parables, gossip and legends. Some with secrets written in the sky for all to behold. In isolation, my imagination has run wild, and this album is the result, a collection of songs and stories that flowed like a stream of consciousness. Picking up a pen was my way of escaping into fantasy, history, and memory. I've told these stories to the best of my ability with all the love, wonder, and whimsy they deserve. Now it's up to you to pass them down. Woo, Taylor Swift! Okay, so listeners probably, well, they may know it. I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift, like big time, like have a Taylor Swift tattoo, obsessed with Taylor Swift. Yes. Um, Madeline's also a really big Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> yeah, so honestly, like, my my sister and my best friend have been huge Taylor Swift fans over the years. And so I always was, like, knew everything by association. But I always, like, I would say when I was about a sophomore in college, I started to really like Taylor Swift. Like, her music started to speak to me. Like, because we're at, like, the same age. Um, and so, like, I felt like I was, like, relating to her life a lot of the time. And that would have been around the time the Red Album came out, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, um, so I, growing up, I grew up in a small town and (laughs) 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 I grew up in a real small town in Northeastern California and it was very, like, country. So, Everyone loved country music. I did not. I was not about it. Wasn't interested. I didn't want to listen to When the Sun Goes Down ever again. Right? Yep, that's how I felt. (laughs) (laughs) And one of my best friends had this CD in her Jeep. And she was a couple years older than me, so she could already drive. I was 14. I was a freshman. 
and she could already drive. She had this CD, and she had played all the time, and it was, the song just kept getting stuck in my head. And then all of a sudden on the radio, I was hearing teardrops on my guitar, and she had have said no, and I was like, hey, I know these songs. Um, and I, it was just a very, like, unique way of songwriting. It's like, I never had a serious boyfriend. I had my heart broken when the first album came out, but, like, I related to Cold as You, and she said no, and I was like, yeah, fuck those boys, but I'd never, yep. yeah. <laughs> my first song I heard from her, so I was at my cousin's house for Easter, and this is, like, you know, internet was still a bit <laughs> caveman times, but YouTube was popular, right? Like, YouTube was everything at the time, but it took a while to load YouTube stuff still, like, YouTube so, is social media that's really just endured everything. Yeah, it, you, yeah, YouTube is the father. And so and my cousin pulled me over to the, her computer. She's like, you have to listen to this song. This, there's this girl named Taylor Swift, and she has this song on YouTube, and it was our song. And I was like, you know, 14, 15. Yeah. And it spoke to me. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like it was, It's just like the epitome of, like, teenage love. And I, and I, I just – I was like, okay, I love that song. And then, like, over the years, I was like, okay, like, Taylor Swift, yeah, like, sometimes I like her music, sometimes it's whatever. But my sister loved her, and so did my friend. And then whenever I hit college, I loved uh, – what what album was the one with 22 on it? Red. That's the one. Okay, I was 22 when 22 came out, so I would blast that song, like, on the way to the bars. <laughs> it's so – okay, so it's so funny to, like, hear that because you and I are, like, far enough apart in age that, like, now it doesn't matter in our late 20s. But yeah, I was 18 when that came out. Yeah, I was 22, so it, it spoke to me. I was like, this is that, like, endless, like, I'm young forever feeling. And I would feel that way, you know, on Friday nights, and God would blast that song. I love okay, it. Okay, so something super funny. So um, a couple years after that came out, maybe, like, a year and a half, it was in 2013, I was dating this guy who lived two blocks from where my high school, uh, like, my high school sweetheart lived. So I would always drive like the same way, like I would go to get to his house because that was the fastest way to get there, right? That's funny. <laughs> and I remember, and I, it, I remember like listening to like some of the like really sad songs, just like blasting them and like thinking about my like high school sweetheart. And this is like three years after we broke up. Like, yeah, it's a while. In a while, yeah. Oh, this is like so. It just felt so nostalgic, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, this is exactly how I felt like when that relationship was ending, and. Meanwhile, I'm going to my new boyfriend's house. <laughs> that, okay, you, what you said, though, Taylor Swift, for me, is nostalgia. And sometimes, like, so Paige will play her music, like, in the background, like, doing a puzzle or cleaning or whatever. I, her, not all her songs are even bad, even her happy songs. I end up getting almost so sad I have to leave the room and cry when I listen to her music. Because for me, her music is nostalgia. And it brings me back to a time where I felt something so strongly that I feel it again. And so sometimes like her music actually just triggers me because it's literally just so in the feels and I just can't handle it. <laughs> there are like some songs like that I associate so strongly with people because there was like somebody who I dated before Josiah and I were together with, uh, but it was after like 1989 came out and they really liked what there was like a specific song that I like. So now whenever I hear that song, like, I think of them a little bit, and I'm like, that's so weird that, like, how your memories get tied like that. Yes. And it, it, it's not just, like, how good at writing she is, but her music is played everywhere, all the time. And so you can't escape it. It sticks to those memories and those sensory experiences. 
So I saw on social media, I think it was on Reddit and I think it was, I think it was around the time that Reputation came out. Um, it might've been when Lover came out, but, um, so someone said like listening to like the first time you listen to an album, it's like different enough that you like have to take it all in, but it's similar enough that you feel comfortable with it. Like mm-hmm. if you already feel comfortable with like putting on an old favorite t-shirt or something like that, like the first time you listen to already feels nostalgic. Right. Yeah. And someone was like, it's because, um, she reuses like, not like the backing tracks, but like the way the song is structured right? Um, and the vocal like style yeah. uses a lot of stuff from like her earlier albums because that makes it sense. worked. Right. Um, and so you hear like the similarities, like I, I wish I could remember what one of the songs was. It was like, one of them was, it's I'm only me when I'm with you. And then it was a song from, I'm pretty sure it was reputation. They like follow like the structure of like the instruments is really, really yeah. similar. And the timing is really similar and the beats are really, really similar um so even like when she like changes everything it's still like familiar enough yeah that makes so much sense which is like a very creative way of sticking to your brand and keeping your audience feeling connected to you and that's really artistic like taylor's so good at that she always puts little hints in her song she's very specific about the order of like what number the song is on the cd and like words she uses and references she has like she doesn't just like make things quickly and then call it a day. She's very detailed and thought processed out with like everything she does, which is really cool. Cause it gives you something to like kind of chew on and like think about and feel. I love the callbacks, especially in the most recent two albums in lover and folklore, the callbacks to earlier music. So, um, in one of the songs that's called daylight, it's the last track on the lover album. She said like one of the lines is like, I once believed love would be burning red, but it's golden like daylight. Mm. And it's like, okay, that's a callback to, Red, if you think about, like, that whole album was about, like, this intense, heartbreaking love that happened and what happens in the aftermath of that and what it's like to kind of go back and forth. And, like, when you're 22, that's what you believe love is really like. But then you get to be, like, 27 or 29 or 30 and you realize that, like, okay, it shouldn't be this back and forth roller coaster. Yeah. Like, steady and calm and... Yeah. um, Provide you peace, not chaos and push and pull. And yeah, yeah. And in this album, um, it's a little bit more explicit because she said um, in one of the tracks, it's called "Invisible String." In fact, that's my favorite song on the whole. I love that one. That um, one really was uh, so beautiful. We're gonna we're gonna get into the track. Sorry if you don't like Taylor Swift, don't listen to this episode. Yeah, um, yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> and um, so it's called "Invisible String," and she said. Bad was the blood of the song on your first, ca- like in your first cab in LA or something. That's obviously referring to her song that was play being played in a cab. I'm like, oh, she's reached that peak level where she can just. I know, uh, right? I'm like, damn, that's awesome. Way to go. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so let's dive into the tracks. I've got. Yeah. Oh, the words. I, like, I need to take the words and do photo shoots. I'm not kidding. Full of notes about the songs on this album. Okay. I just love it. Oh wait, before before we do, um, I want to talk about what were the last few words she wrote in the um that little like letter she writes to her audience, and I talked about earlier. Um, oh, uh, love, wonder, whimsy. Yes, when she ended it with love, wonder, and whimsy, I'm like, that is so Taylor Swift. 
And then I was like, I love how she titled it folklore. We'll talk about folklore and the collaboration, but like, let's talk about the songs. Um, Can we we talk about like just the name that she picked? I'm like, yeah. So I noticed while listening to it, that all of the songs have this, um, these motifs of like, not folk songs per se, but like folk tales, like passing through that. So like invisible string, there's this thought that in like Japanese or East Asian, I don't know if it's specifically only Japan, but um, in East Asian folklore that there's a string between soulmates and it's pulling you guys together like through your whole entire life. And that's literally what the whole song is about. And it's, I think it's actually really, really well done. It's really cute. It gives me goosebumps. Yeah. I cry when I listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like Cardigan like explicitly mentions like Peter Pan, which is really, really kind of cool. Um, and then the last great American dynasty explicitly talked about like the folklore behind her Rhode Island house, like the woman who owned it previous to her. Um, And there's lots of parallels to like other songs and stuff that she's done. But like the one is like obviously about the one that got away, which is like there's story after story after story about telling about the one that got away. Going down. Okay. The other one that I super, super want to talk about is August. Because, so, if you haven't listened to it, it's actually, like, one of my favorite songs, I think, on the album. Um, and something I noticed about it is, so, you know what a, um, is it Gaussian blur in photography or, like, in editing? Yes. How do you say that word? I say Gaussian. Gaussian, okay. I don't, wasn't sure how to say it. Yeah, um, I don't know. That's what her voice sounds like. It sounds like there's been a blur laid over her voice. Yeah. It's been like hazy and warm and which I really like. But we also, you also see that like when um, in TV, when somebody is like portrayed as like this idyllic, perfect thing, they lay like this blur, like this halo lighting around him. Yeah. It's the same effect. And it almost feels like vocally, that's what was laid over the song. Yeah, that. And the content of the song, it's like, okay, there's this, like, it's really popular to, like, super, super romanticize. And it happens for some people, but not for all people. It's, like, romanticize, like, your first time. Yeah. And it's, like, you look through rose-colored glasses or, like, you paint out to be this, like, super magical thing. FYI, if you haven't had sex yet, it's awkward. It's kind of gross. It's not like that. <laughs> it's not, no. And that, like, you can still have a, like, magical, really wonderful for, like, for sexual experience, like, period, not taking away from that, but it's never, like, you picture it being. No. no. But I like, me. it was, like, the song about, like, looking back through rose-colored glasses at your first time. I thought that was kind of a cool one. Yeah. I think all of the things that each song kind of, like, goes into, we don't need to go into all of it, because that's a lot. Um... I spent a lot of time doing these things I have no life, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's inspiring. Um, no, it's I um, procrastinate the stuff that I need to get done, and this is how I do it. And take notes on Taylor Swift songs instead. Yeah, I just take notes on Taylor Swift songs. Um, let's let's talk about the collaboration on this yeah. album. So when she announced the album, she put on an Instagram caption. She literally announced it on social media. That was how she announced it. Um, but she posted 
all of the writers that she collaborated with, um, the engineers that she collaborated with, and the al- who the album artwork was shot by. So I'm yeah. going to go ahead and I'll read that straight from her Instagram. Yeah. It says, Tonight at midnight, I'll be releasing my entire brand new album of songs that I've poured all of my whims, dreams, fears, and musings into. I wrote and recorded this music in isolation, but got to collaborate with some musical heroes of mine. Aaron Dressner, who's co-produced or written, sorry, who has co-written or produced 11 of the 16 songs. Vaughn Ivor, who co-wrote and was kind enough to sing on one with me. William Bowery, who co-wrote two with me. And Jack Antonoff, who's basically a musical family at this point. It was engineered by Laura Sisk and John Lowe. Mixed by Sherbon Guinea and John Lowe. The album photos were shot by the amazing Beth Garrett Brandt. And then she goes on to say, Before this year, I probably would have overthought when to release this music at the perfect time, but the times we're living in keep reminding me that nothing's guaranteed. My gut is telling me that if you make something you love, you should just put it out into the world. And that's the side of uncertainty I can get on board with. Love you guys so much. I love that so much because she didn't actually overthink it. She just did it. And there was that Rolling Stone article that you sent me where the um, guy that did, which one was the interview on the guy that did most of the music? Aaron Dresner. Aaron Dresner, yes. And he was like, she just called me. It was like, I have an idea. And they just started. Like, she called him, had an idea. They collaborated briefly. She got off the phone, created shit, called him again and said, let's go. I have this. Like, she dove in and followed her gut. It came from a place, before I even listened to the album, I was like, I feel like the silence, the isolation, quarantine and COVID changed our sense of time, our sense of connectivity. Um, coming from more isolation. And from that, she came from almost a meditative inner place that would not have happened had she not been able to have that isolation and like inner time. And then because of that, she was able to just dive in and go because she was aligned and coming from like her inner, inner self. Um, And that's something that I find really powerful is quiet time. Like we don't give ourselves quiet time. It's a loud world and we fill it with um, noise at, at a lot of the most of the time we can, um, which is like a whole nother topic, but we're going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of filling her time with like other things, she filled it with her creative flow. And also the fact that she collaborated with so many people in a time of isolation it's really telling because we are so like during like since March, we've been pretty isolated from others. Many of us have been working from home or losing jobs, changing jobs, um, not seeing family or friends, not traveling. And suddenly you're feeling kind of without like your community, your team, your people. And so like, I feel like in a way she combated that by connecting with others artistically. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Like she created with others and like, man, to create with Taylor Swift would be so badass. Um, it's my life stream. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and she's very, very vocally for the last no- a number of years um, been pro-collaboration. And even I remember when her, she was doing her 1989 tour and she would post the pictures she always made sure she credited the photographer who took the picture That's cool. and um, she pulled her music from streaming services because they weren't paying artists enough. Yeah. Which is wild. Like, I think yeah, that's, she's like, big on that. Yeah. Um, which it is incredible for 
this creative powerhouse. Even it doesn't matter that she's in music and we're in photography. It doesn't matter that yeah. it's she's a she's a creative powerhouse and uh, her music her music is goes sorry her talents go much further than I think songwriting and music music producing. Um, she stood up to the one of the biggest companies in the technology industry. I would argue it is the biggest company in the technology technology industry and said do better. And yeah. They did. Yeah. Well, um, when she made that tweet about voting a while back and the masses that in, the next day that the voting increased just because she said, go vote. Like, so I've she actually, has power. So I've actually seen a bunch of stuff that said the timing of that is really interesting because so you always get a rush of people registering to vote on the last day you can register and uh, for the last day. So that's not to say that like, she did not encourage some people to yeah. register to vote, but I don't think the number was as big as more correlation. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. So that's something that's, I think important to. Yes, it is. Point. Out. Yeah. Uh, but even if she just encouraged one person to go register to vote, I think that's still really powerful. Yeah, it is. Um, despite, or also the fact that she collaborated, um, and she talked about it being like a stream of consciousness. The fact that she named her album Folklore and told stories. Um, it's just so, I feel like this, this year has been a time of like really heavy reflection and um, looking back on things and then realizing the moment we're in is going to be a story itself. It's going to be in history books. It's going to be one of those things that when I was young, we lived through COVID. I think that also inspires part, like partly inspired her, um, even if it was subconscious way of creating stories in an album and calling it folklore, because we're kind of in a time that will become like a folklore. Like there will be like folklore type stories at this time right now. Um, so that, it just felt so like it just feels so right right now. It gets such a mood. Like we're all in this mood together in this album. It's just, it feels so aligned, not with just Taylor, but with the times and the people that follow her music. And, um, and yeah, that's so inspiring to me. And if you like, if you really think about it, none of there's only like a handful of songs that are like really, really happy songs. A lot of them are, a lot deeper than that. Like they might sound really happy, but they're a lot deeper per usual. Um, but it's like so interesting to come out with something that, that like not, it's really, really soothing to listen to, but it's not on the surface. If you just want to listen to like something that's poppy and happy, you can still like listen to it and not feel the weight of everything that's like going on. But if you're yes. like in the mood to like think a little bit deeper about it, you can still do that. Mm-hmm. Which definitely has that like fairy tale esque vibe that Taylor Swift loves and gives off. Like fairy tales have a lot of darkness, and there is a lot of um, like when you think of folklore and fairy tales, or even like you know you go way back to that stuff. That stuff is dark. It stems from heavy stories, but there's a romantic twist to it and it, it allows you to digest it. And so that's how she does it. Like what you just said. And that's so cool. Um, do we want to talk about how like creative processes are so important and how she did that and how that re- uh, relates to all artists? Yeah. Okay. So how she, what I was saying earlier about this moment of solitude 
and like quietness and like, but it's still very loud right now. Everyone's opinions and like stress and fear of COVID but also like you're in your own bubble in your house and like isolated from others in a way. Um, finding quiet space and peace and being grounded. It's so, so, so important for the creative process. Um, you need to align with yourself. And that's what she did when she said stream of consciousness, stream of consciousness doesn't just come to you. You have to work for it. Um, I mean, yeah, it comes to you, but it comes to you because you put yourself in a state of mind. Yeah. Um, and I think that she was finally able to do that. Um, I wish, uh, you know, a lot of artists get so busy with like music artists get busy with tours and PR events and photographers get busy with business and emails and photo shoots and all of us artists that are trying to make money and a living out of our art get so caught up in the craziness of making a living that we sometimes forget to like meditate, slow down, journal, read, walk, have quiet time, turn off your phone, turn off your computer. Um, but you have to have a, a sense of your own space and introspection to have a creative process. Um, I was actually just listening to a podcast episode with um, is on the Tony Robbins podcast. And he was interviewing the woman, I forgot her name. Oops. Um, that started Spanx. And she's like one of the most successful women of our time. And she said that like everyone has their quiet time and it all looks different for everyone. And that's when like you come up with the creative genius um, that is in you. And like, even scientists have talked about their creative genius coming out in quiet times, like being in the bathtub or shaving. It's that time when you're alone. She says that her time is when she's driving. Um, she only lives five minutes from work. So she actually takes a route that takes her to work an hour long so that she can have quiet time and think. And that's when she comes up with her best ideas, her creative genius. Um, all of that, like meditation. Let me tell you, as someone who commutes about an you hour and a half, yeah, I drive a ton. Um, I, I think I mentioned on the podcast before, but my job down in Frisco, I commute between an hour, 10 minutes and an hour and a half, depending on traffic, Yeah, every day that I'm working. Um, and let me tell you, my best creative ideas come to me during that drive and my voice memos you guys, my fucking voice memos are full of ideas. And I'll listen to them later and be like, what the fuck was I even saying? That you were what just getting hit with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I keep a notebook. The notebook. I'm showing everybody. Okay. Um, I keep at least one notebook with me all the time. So I can okay. write down ideas. Um, and it's full of ideas that I've come up with for stuff. Some of it makes no sense. Some of it is not <laughs> I feel that. But in like, you know, in 10 years, I might come back to it. Yeah. And you have to give yourself that time. Or if you are having a commute, that's kind of like a, you know, you can look at your commute and be like, God, it sucks. It takes away from my time. Or you can be like, this is my time to have quiet space, to be with me, to think, to channel, you know, just have that introspection. It's well, so important. And like, okay, so you and I both have relatively commitment-free lives, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have kids. We have a pet or two. I yeah. have a few things. Um, so, yes, like there's commitments. But as far as like time commitments, we yeah. can take time for ourselves, right? Yeah. But I 
like when I come home, it's about the dogs, it's about the ducks. I have to water the plants. Mm-hmm. I gotta make food. Uh, I gotta bond with my person because my commute's a couple yeah. hours. So I don't get to see him a ton, so I don't get a ton of time just to myself to not do anything. Yeah. So my drive time, those three hours that I have of driving daily, that is like my time. Yes. I listen to the true crime podcast mm. and or I play music and I just let like yes. cry a little bit. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I there. So, you know, my sister is a physician assistant and she's seen a lot more people come in during this year with anxiety and depression And I'll start with two things. The reason that people are coming in with anxiety and depression, some of it is a direct causation of what's happening in the world right now. But most of it has been there in them. Let's also normalize anxiety and depression. Like most of the population has it. Like, let's be real. Um, You just don't know because you're filling your life with such busy things, constantly, constantly, noise, noise, add more. And then it's taken away from you and suddenly you feel it and you see it and it's in you and it's there and it's everywhere. And you're like, shit, what is my life? Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is she talks to them and she's like, you know, asking them what their lifestyle is. And they're so busy taking care of everyone but themselves, their spouses, their parents, their um their kids, people at their jobs that they don't take time for themselves. And she's like, you have to, it's not an option. You are not a second thought. You have to make it a priority to wake up early or to tell people they can wait. They don't need you right now that you need 30 minutes to go meditate, to do yoga, go take a walk, take a bath, drink your wine in a room alone. Like do what is best for you. (laughs) Like you have to. And so it's not, it's not a cute idea. It's not an option. It's a priority and it's a must. And in order to be happy with yourself and with your life, you have to have that alone time. And as artists, that is where we thrive. Like we have to find our creative processes by giving us, giving ourselves the quiet time that it requires. I find it on my walks. I love to walk. Walking is one of my favorite things in the world. I take, I reach a lot of steps a day, unless it's a horrible weather, I'm super busy. Um, And on my walks, my mind wanders and I just let it go. And then I get hit with inspiration. That's when I do my voice memos. I'm like walking in the suburbs, like doing voice memos on my phone, just talking to my phone. And it's just like when I start like thriving. Uh, But yeah, like that's like so important. Something that was like super therapeutic when you and I would go on walks before yes. craziness happened. Um, we would come up with some of like the best ideas for episodes. On that's walks. true. Or like we would bounce like collaborative ideas or like shoot ideas off of each other, and that was always super nice. Yes. Gonna miss that. I do too. That was like, that was like that one day we went to the park. It was such nice weather. It was. That was in like <gasps> that was in like February. Or it was. It was a warm was day. Like, yeah, it was nice though. I think it was January. Might have been. I don't know. I time passes fast, dude. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, life is fast and it can feel out of control. But, like, you have to remember you're the director of your own movie. Like, you direct it, not anyone else. You're the director. Like, time doesn't have to be out of control to you. Like, you have to take time for yourself. And I would love to talk to Taylor and be like, did you feel that the time of COVID allowed you to finally be with yourself for once? I just feel like that's how it happened, you know, yeah. for her. Yeah, I do too. And I think she's kind of said some stuff that's kind of implied that that was the case and like mm-hmm. finally gave her time to just like slow down a little bit and 
create the thing she's been wanting to be creating. I think yeah. that it's probably something she's wanted to do for like try different sounds and stuff. It's probably been something she's wanted to do for a while. She took a lot of risks, I think with her lover album too. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do also with the new record label that she yes was signed to. And um, cause I think the reputation album and the lack of, promotion and all of that stuff was kind of a big fuck you to her previous record label. Yeah. Uh, and okay. If you go back and like look at the music video for look what you made me do, there's lots of clues in it that kind of hint that that song was not completely aimed at the West. And the yeah. Canadians. It was in fact aimed much more at her previous record label. Yep. And do you remember one of our previous episodes where you quoted, I put it on our Instagram because I love it. You said, let yourself create shitty art. Yes. Okay. So I feel like that's kind of, not that Taylor has created shitty art, but she's always created. She's constantly creating and it leads to the next thing, which leads to the next thing. And like, you can compare reputation to a recent album and they're so different, but without taking the steps to continue creating and evolving, she wouldn't have jumped to this now uh, folklore album. And that's another thing about the creative process is you need to constantly create not like overdo yourself but you need to allow yourself to create and just put things out and not be a judge of what it is just put it out because someone might like it and it speaks to them and it might help them people might hate it too fuck them like whatever like it doesn't matter like what you're doing is creating and building milestones for yourself and then you'll get to where you want to be which like ideally we all want to be creating like our version of folklore right but like had she not started as a teenager and then gone through everything she did and continued creating and finding her voice folklore would not have happened that didn't happen overnight it didn't happen on her first album so the creative process is about continuing your art no matter what stage of life you're in and how it feels at the time it might be insignificant a year later or 10 years later but at the time it meant something and it helped you evolve to where you are now And that's actually really interesting that you bring it up and you compare it to some of her earlier work. So she writes uh, on this album from the viewpoint of several different teenagers in several different songs. Mm. Yeah. Them being, you know, a 17 year old boy. Right. And you look, it go, if you go back and like listen to the songs that she was like putting out when she was 17 or 18 and you compare it to the maturity of the writing that she's putting out, writing about, the, from the perspective of someone who's 17 or 18 yes you can like that's such a good marker for like the growth of how much she's grown as not just an artist but as a songwriter and um wordsmith right yeah. she it's incredible what are some of your favorite lyrics from this most recent album like ones that you just like want to have written all over your house and on your body and like <laughs> everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, because <laughs> I just love—I could listen to her lyrics all day. Like they're so pretty. Um, me too. Let me. I wrote some of them down. Hang on, let me find it. So, um, I don't know that it's my favorite lyrics, but it's the way that they are sung. In okay. the um, first verse in actually the entirety of seven okay and it's like such a different way to like for her to sing very unique we'll go well oh, we can't play it on here but listen yeah. to the song again just i'm trying to figure out who it reminds me of it reminds me of like some singer songwriter from like the early 2000s and i can't 
put my fingers on who it is. Like, kind of like Alana's more set, but not quite. Um, was it the one that sounded, and she's collaborated with her before, was it, is this the one that sounds kind of like Image and Heap? Yes. Yeah. A little bit. Um, so one of them is like, it still hurts underneath my scarves from when they pulled me apart. Mm. I like that one a lot. Um, and then the whole entire, like the repeating thing of like, I knew you blah, blah, blah in cardigan. And like my favorite one was like, I knew you, uh, leaving like a father running like water. So it's kind of a cool one. Mm. In Invisible String, the uh, it'd be the part of the chorus they keep changing where she says it's like time, curious time, gave me no compasses, gave me no signs, were there clues I didn't see? That mm-hmm. part I really like. But any of the part where she says like time, whatever the adjective is, time, gave me the blues and purple, pink skies, like that whole part I really, really like. Oh, oh, I love that. When she said that, I like repeated it. Um. And then, yeah, okay, so here's the issue. has time, mystical time, cutting me open, then healing me fine. Were there clues I didn't see? And isn't it just so pretty to think? All along, there was an invisible string. Well, like, isn't it pretty to think? I know. It's so simple, but so, like, beautiful. Let me, I'm pulling it up on my iPad so I can actually pull up the lyrics instead of just reading from my notes. Hang on. I also love when she said, for the boys who broke my heart, now I send their babies presents. Gold was the color of the leaves when I showed you around Centennial Park. I'm like, isn't it cool how you can reflect on how time passes and your heart heals and then you're new again and fine? I love it. Um, I love the kind of like plot twist in The Last Great American Dynasty where she goes, and then it was bought by me. And you're just like, it's about her house. I love that. Oh. Also, so the opening line on the one it says i'm doing good i'm on some new shit she just drops cuss words the first line of the first song and she's like i'm not here to fuck around this is me let's go (laughs) um but she also that whole song i actually really really like but um the it's the in my defense i have none for drinking for digging up the grave another time Mm. everything about this like album is just so like it's visual Yes, it is. She's so good at writing in such a visual way. And I think that's why, like, maybe that's one of the reasons you and I are so, like, well, her lyrics, because we're photographers. We see things before we see them. Like, they're in our mind already. Yeah. And that's the same as writing. It's almost similar. Like, photography literally means light writing. Like, we're also writing. We see things and we capture it. And she does the same thing with with words. It's just, like, such a beautiful, like, artistic experience. Good. Um. Something really cool that she did on the 1989 album was in the deluxe version of the album. She included some voice memos uh, that were like in the songwriting process. So like some of them included like lyrics that didn't make the cut and just for three songs in particular. And she explained like, okay, I wrote this song to track and here's what that looks like. Uh, Jack Antonoff sent me this and said, Hey, play with this or whatever. And, um, I love that she was like willing to share some of that creative process because that like lets us know that like it's a process. Like it doesn't blank space doesn't just come out blank space. The first try, right. It goes through a couple of revisions and it's actually a process. It doesn't just boom happen like that. So, and some songs do, I'm sure just the way like 
some photos for us, boom, we just don't even have to edit and post. It's already perfect. Yeah. But like some, we have to like spend hours being like, okay, it can be better than this. I agree with that. It's relatable. It allows us to have insight to the human authentic side of these artists where we only see like the perfection. Um, Gary Vee actually talks about this a lot. He's like, you need to show your process and like the flaws as well. He's like for photographers, which I haven't done this, but I need to. Um, He's like, if you're a photographer and you're just showing all your perfect photos, no one's going to relate to you. They're just going to see perfect photos. You should show your, um, your blurry photos when you're posting them. Like this is the one that didn't work, but it led to this because I learned, or this is part of the process. I was trying to create this photo and these are the ones that led to it. And like, this one was cropped funny and you show that. And then it allows people to be like, okay, this is a true artist because despite messing up the first few pictures, they were able to capture this by trying. I would, I don't want to say I would question that because I'm sure that that person knows much better than I do. But if I would like as a client was looking to book somebody for, I don't know, services that aren't photography. And I just see like a bunch of like, oh, I screwed this up, but then I did better. Like that doesn't really like do anything for me. It doesn't make me want to book them. But if I, as a photographer, was looking for somebody to learn from, it mm-hmm. would. So I think, like, with that, it probably depends on who your audience is. Because, like, if yeah. you do you do a lot more editorial work and you do mm-hmm. a lot more work with models than I do. So, like, that's probably a tip that would be helpful for you. Yeah, it definitely would work on my Instagram. But I do a lot of weddings. People don't want to see the fuck-ups at weddings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, yeah. I, I get experimental with a lot of things as well. So I'm like, yeah, like, and I tell my clients ahead of the shoots, I'm like, I'm going to do a few experimental things, and it might take a few tries. It might work. It might not work. But we're going to get some cool photos nonetheless. And, like, most of the time my clients are like, hell, yeah, I want to do that with you. And it brings them onto the journey. And then when I show that, like, if I show that on my Instagram, like, these are the photos that led to this. Like, this is the one where I was trying to get the jumping photos and like, I messed up too many times. I clicked at the wrong time or, but then we got this out of that process. Do you want to be a part of an artistic experience? Then you can get this because I know how to direct you and like how to keep shooting to get what you want. Um, and then like other people like singers, this is something I love. Um, singers who are super good. They'll post the videos of them practicing a song and messing up and it sounds so bad like it sounds like they would have failed American Idol it sounded so bad like on a tryout but they're actually really talented they're just practicing and then once they finally get it then they they sing and it's like mind-blowing because you don't just open your mouth and sing and it's perfect like it takes work and so like when you see them mess up and being like their voice cracking or hitting the wrong note and going out of tune. And then you're like, Oh, see they they have to practice too. But once they nail it, then it's beautiful. And it inspires everyone around you. Like it's like, Oh, okay. So it's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up. We're going to get there anyway. We're artists. It's a part of the process is you're not going to be perfect all the time. And who's the judge of that anyway. So, <laughs> well, th- that's the thing. That's what, that's the thing though. Like you might put a photo on your Instagram that you yourself are judging and you don't like that much. And that's why you never put it on. But what if it booked you a client because they liked it? Like, who's the judge? Like, you don't get to be the judge of it. Someone else can like it when you don't. But they see themselves in that photo kind of thing. I think that's part of what makes being a photographer so hard. And, like, don't get me wrong. I love it. And I always, like, always want to be creating with visual like visual art. But part of what makes being a – I think maybe this isn't just specific to photography – but part of what makes being a photographer so hard is like, 
I will look at something and think it looks like shit. You'll look at some, the exact same thing and be like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'm so inspired. <laughs> yeah. And <clears throat> every single person is completely different. What they think is beautiful, what they're inspired by, which is really great for photographers because all of us are all really different, but it's also real shitty because who like, it's a struggle to find those who find your work inspiring and who want to work with you. Yeah. It, that's the thing. It's just like, you never know. It's like fishing. You just put out what you put out and like, you'll, someone will like it. Someone will take the bait. And that's kind of like, I mean, to tie this back in, like Taylor Swift has so many albums and they're all like, you might hate her, uh, revenge or whatever it's called. The Perfect. album reputation it's basically a revenge album you might (laughs) the revenge the revenge album you might hate that but love folklore you might hate folklore because it's a little bit different than red but like okay that you never know like you put what out what you put out and then some people are going to relate to it and that's what matters can we circle back really quick to the sound of folklore how it sounds Mm. completely different from anything she's ever put out before it does uh i Love. I think it was in that Rolling Stone interview that I sent you that Aaron Dresner said it. He was like, uh, I was really kind of nervous to work with her because what she does and what I do sound so different. Yes. And basically she was just like, don't worry about what I've done before. Like I'm contacting you because I want to work with you. Like I want your sound incorporated in this basically. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's not exactly what she said, but that's more or less what she said. Yeah, it was. And she was like, forget what you've heard like from me before. Let's create something different. Mm. and I just love that and it turned out it honestly turned out to be so magical and so wonderful but I think that if Taylor Swift hadn't been the one who put it out I don't think it would be nearly as successful no. I think if some no-name artist had put it out people would be like what the fuck is that yep that's true I do agree with that um, I don't have an issue with that I think it's wonderful no. that she put it out and that her name grabs that kind of attention but yeah that's just how it is to think about uh, yeah, I love that she did that. Um, it's good to explore new things and be inspired by other things and to switch things up and to trust others, trust other artists. They, they had to trust each other. Like he was like, do I trust this person with my music? And then she was probably like, man, this is going to be so different. It's going to be a journey to try to get what we both want that works for both of us kind of thing. Working with others is not easy. Um, but, and I think they kind of hinted on that. There was times when it was like a little like, what are we doing? But, um, I just think it's beautiful that she tried something new. She trusted someone else. She changed her sound. Um, It's kind of like as a photographer, like going from super digital to starting to shoot film more or um, maybe being like, okay, I'm going to challenge myself in shooting more black and white lately because I always do color. Like sometimes it's good to just do that. And like, that's what she did. And that's really cool. And the sound is so different. It, It just sounds also this album suits her voice better than any other album. Like she wrote for her voice and that's beautiful. Um, somebody was saying that like she utilizes her lower register a lot more. Yes. She, I think she does. And that's apparently something that's pretty unique to female artists. So like, if you think of like Ariana Grande does not like, she has a really, really high register. Right? Yes. Um, that's but true. Taylor has a really like low register, which is something that's a little bit more unique for female artists. And it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. I was very happy to hear her like, not just writing songs and lyrics and then singing them, but like also incorporating her voice into the music. Yeah. 
uh, that's one of my favorite things that she's done as she's gotten older and more involved in production is like finding unique ways to incorporate other stuff. Like in Wildest Dreams, like that beat is the sound of her heartbeat. Oh, I love that song. So, uh, and then apparently she was talking about like for um, when she was promoting Lover, she's talked about like in Reputation, she was in um, the studios that she would record in were like concrete studios. They were uh, like the like the guitars and stuff they would use it was like there was no wood involved they were like very specific about the types of instruments and then in lover she like had like wooden floored studios and used like wood-based instruments and like lots of strings and dude we should do a whole episode on like how the elements and the environment that you incorporate into your your world affects you so much can we get a music producer on here who's also a Taylor Swift fan and specifically talk about the music production of Taylor Swift albums? Do we Let's know do it. Let's manifest it. We're putting it out in the world. We're going to find somebody. Okay. If you are a music producer anywhere, you don't have to be in Dallas. You don't even have to be in Texas. If you're a music producer and you're a Taylor Swift fan, you want to talk about production of Taylor Swift albums, let us know. We I would love that. I like, it's so artistic. Like all artists can learn from other artists. This, We're just, open to other artists too, but specifically we love Taylor Swift. So. Yeah. And she's very, that's the thing. She's so intentional. That's what I'm saying. Like you can be all in the process and like learning and like, you know, doing whatever, but like there's so much intention too. And she has that. And it, yeah, we need to, we need to learn from from her. Uh, we also, if we're trying to do mini zones, we've been on this for an hour and a half, so we should probably call We it. love Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Okay. Well, we'll wrap up here. And then um, shout out to Taylor Swift on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Taylor Swift can be a guest. We love okay, Taylor, be our guest. We're going to manifest that too. <laughs> or tree. Tree would be fine. I love it. All right. That's a wrap. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. You can find us on social media at Creative Banter Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can email us at creativebanterpodcast at gmail.com. You can find our website at creativebanter.wix.com slash podcast. Bye. 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 Bye.